and you can find it on page 584 in the Church Bibles. Hasten, O God, to save me. Come quickly, Lord, to help me. May those who want to take my life be put to shame and confusion. May all who desire my ruin be turned back in disgrace. May those who say to me, aha, turn back because of their shame. But may all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. May those who long for your saving help always say, the Lord is great. But as for me, I am poor and needy. Come quickly to me, O God. You are my help and my deliverer. Lord, do not delay. This is the word of the Lord. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from a throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order has passed away. He was seated on the throne and said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give water of life. Those who are victorious will inherit all this, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the adulterers and all liars, they will be consigned to the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Fiona. Let's just pray and pause before I speak. Lord, may these words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. Something should appear on the screen. Yes, it has. Good. We're thinking about Revelation uh, chapter 21. Um, in 2014, a group of artists and musicians asked thousands of people one question. They asked them, what is your happiest memory? Lots of answers came in. First date, first dance, first love, memories of weddings, births, holidays, even loved ones that they'd lost. As they collected these memories, the researchers noticed three things. Firstly, less than 1% of happy memories had anything to do with material things. And secondly, the memories were nearly always about relationships of one kind or another. But they discovered a third thing when they entered all this data into a computer. The word that came up the most was the word home. The most significant memories were, were related to two things, home and relationships. A longing for relationship and a longing for home. 
The writer and preacher Rico Tice uses these two longings for home and relationship to appoint us to heaven. So I'm going to take his thought and build on it as we think about the longing for home and the longing for relationship in our passage this morning. So we begin with a longing for home. The book of Revelation, as you know, was written by the Apostle John, one of Jesus' disciples. And he's, he was the same apostle who wrote John's Gospel. And it's in John's Gospel where we have a picture of heaven like home. In John 14, it says these words, Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the place to where I am going. Jesus is saying he's going to prepare a place for us, a place that's home. It will be a place where, our, where we experience the ultimate experience of home. I wonder what you think makes a house a home. For me, it needs to be a place of comfort and acceptance, a place where I can find refreshment and rest. Most of us have experienced this to some degree in our homes. But we know that in this life, the dream of home can be shattered in so many ways. Divorce, separation, loss, illness, all conspire together and steal our experience of home. But heaven will be a prepared home, which will be a place of comfort, acceptance, refreshment and rest. And Jesus says that he's gone to prepare a place for us. For some people, home is far from a happy place. For some, it's a place of violence, a place where there's no rest, no acceptance, and no love. If home on this earth is like that for you, then you have the promise in Jesus of a perfect home in heaven. Heaven will meet all our dreams of what a perfect home should be like. I don't know how you envisage heaven. Some people imagine it as kind of disembodied spirits floating around on clouds playing harps. I hope it's not like that, because that sounds terribly boring and a bit dangerous. But as we read Revelation 21, we read that heaven is going to be a real, solid place. Look at verse 1 of chapter 21. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. So heaven will be like the first earth. It will be very similar, but with all the bad bits taken away. The earth will not be a replacement, but it'll be a renewed one, purged of all its imperfections. That's a picture we have in verse 4. It says, He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, or mourning, or crying, or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. So no more cancer, no more loss, no more rape, no more terrorism, no more broken homes, broken lives, broken hearts. It will be our perfect home. You see, heaven is not just a home we long for, it's a fulfillment of the relationship we long for too. As we see that heaven meets our need for a longing for a relationship as well. 
I don't know if you've read the Bible, but really it's a book that tells a love story, a true story with one hero at the centre, the Son of God, Jesus, who longs to bring us home. And the Bible tells us a love story that begins before the world, world was made. I wonder how you imagine what God is like. For some, he's a kind of sergeant major figure who barks orders at us. For others, he's like a headmaster, always on your back, pointing out what you've done wrong. But the Bible describes God quite differently. The word God in Hebrew language is not singular, but plural. That's why Christians talk about the Trinity. There is something about God that involves threeness and something about God that involves oneness. And if you're feeling confused, then it is difficult to get our heads around this concept of the Trinity. But we need to think of God um, as, a, as a loving union of three, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It's helpful to think of God as a community. Because there's always been love within the Godhead, between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And God's love story tells us how he created a perfect world and filled it with his creation. He longed for his creation to enjoy the love that exists between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And yet the Bible tells us how humans chose to reject God, to spurn his love, to push the Creator out of their lives. That's what the Bible means when it talks about sin. Sin is rejecting our Creator and deciding that we know best. But rather than rejecting us, God pursued us by sending the prophets to express his longing for relationship with his people. And Easter tells us a story of how God's Son, Jesus, came to win people back to God. He did this by taking all of our sins as he's crucified on the cross, or for all the ways that we've pushed him out of our lives, for all the ways we've rejected him, taking the punishment that we deserve so that we could be forgiven. And so we see at the end of God's love story how he brings together his people and the world that he has renewed. Look in verse 2. John saw the picture of a holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. The holy city, the new Jerusalem, a picture of the church, of God's people. She's been clothed with the righteousness of Christ. But this is also a picture of the love that God has for his people and his desire to be with his people. Look in verse 3. John says, I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. A loud voice announces this, this important news. God's dwelling is now among his people. Our longing for authentic relationships, which can begin right now, will be fulfilled when we're in heaven. And this is available to anyone who thirsts for this kind of relationship with God. Look in verse 6. He said to me, it, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. He is the first letter and the last letter in the Greek alphabet. He is able to invite us into this relationship because he was there at the beginning of time and he will be there at the end. It's only in God that our deep spiritual needs can be satisfied. But there's also a warning in these verses, the warning of a separation. 
I'm always a bit disappointed when I read these verses and it says there'll be no sea in heaven because I love the sea. But I don't think it's intended that we should interpret these, these, these verses literally. They give us pictures of what heaven is going to be like. They're pointing us to a greater truth. And sea is something that separates. It separates continents. It separates nations. It can separate families. And sea is a picture of our restlessness. And it reminds us that our sin, our choice to follow those little gods in our lives rather than the one true God, separates us from God. Look in verse 8. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters, the liars, they will be consigned to the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. These are hard words to read and hard words to understand. But the shocking truth is that if we choose to separate ourselves from God in this life by following our own desires, we will find ourselves separated from God in eternity. Today is Remembrance Sunday, and I'm sure many of you have had the opportunity to visit the war graves in Belgium and France. We had the opportunity a couple of years ago. And it's quite an emotional experience to look at those rows and rows of gravestones, one after the other, each remembering a life lost, many of them graves of bodies that were unidentified. But I was particularly struck by how the different nationalities had chosen to remember their fallen. This picture was taken um, in Belgium. And the British gravestone, you may not be able to see it on, on the left there, it says, a soldier of the great war, known unto God. And the other stone from a different nationality has the word in French, inconnu. Sorry, my French isn't very good. But it means unknown, stranger. And I was struck by the contrast between those two stones. In our search for relationship and home, there is a God who knows us and who longs that we respond to his invitation to know him now and to enjoy him forever. To know God the Father through Jesus the Son is to find our need for home and authentic relationship fulfilled. May each one of us know Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life. Amen.